Tonight, under law number five, we're going to look at this principle. Love covers. Love covers. That is an essential for the two to become one. Love has to cover. And love covers where we fail. Love covers when we uh, oppose each other. Love covers. And we're going to get into that tonight. Uh, I love this quote. I think it's a powerful quote. And it says this. It's by John Powell. Answering the call to love demands much courage and determination because self-exposure always involves the risk of being seriously hurt. Now we can take this right to the beginning of time, right to the creation of man. Because people wonder, you know, why did God give man free will? Why is there evil? Why was there the fall? Because God took the risk to love. Uh, someone was asking me this week, why did we have to go through so much suffering? Why couldn't God? They said, you know, I'd rather God just made me a robot so that I'd obey and not get into all this trouble that I'm in. And I said, but then you couldn't love God because love has to be freely given. It cannot be commanded. It cannot be demanded. Love is an act of the will freely to someone else. So God gave Adam and Eve a free will so that they could freely respond to His love. Unfortunately, they responded to their own love of themselves. But did that stop God from loving them? No. Did it stop God from loving us? No. And there's the principle. Even in your marriage where there's a failure to love, where there's a failure and maybe selfishness is showing up, the other partner still in covenant love must respond in love. I ain't saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Loving is the hardest thing that's going to happen in your life. But it's also the most rewarding. But it takes courage. Now, some of you understand the pain of this. Some of you have been in love and have loved someone deeply and maybe still do, but they, they abused you, they hurt you, they let you down, and, and uh, maybe it ended in divorce. And so that, that really hurt, and it takes courage to love again. And some of you have closed off. You're afraid to love again because of how much you've been wounded. But in order to love again... You're going to have to take that big, big risk, aren't you? And you're going to have to risk and have courage to love because anytime you expose your heart and expose yourself, you become vulnerable to being hurt. But we're going to have to trust God and give our hearts again to somebody, at least unto God, right? Amen. So what is absolutely necessary is this word here. Forgiveness. We have got to learn how to forgive. Love has got to cover. Love has got to cover our sins and our failures. Therefore, we need to learn how to forgive. How many of you remember the Old Testament saying for justice? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right? What's the principle behind eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? Equal justice. You took my eye, I'm taking yours. Boom! You broke my tooth, 
give me a hammer, I'm breaking yours. That's, is that just? Yeah, it's just. It's perfectly just. Absolutely just. And that's what the law demands, justice. But who brought grace and truth? Jesus. Now, grace brings forgiveness. And God wants us to model forgiveness. And in a marriage, if it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you're, you're breaking the first law of covenant, aren't you? Because now you're singling out your eye and my eye. But in a marriage, your eye is my eye. My eye is your eye. Your tooth is my tooth. My tooth is your tooth. We're one. You've got to get this into your thinking. It's dramatic, it's drastic, and it takes a lifetime for us to understand. What's yours is mine, what's mine is yours. You are mine, I am yours. Right? Not just figuratively, but literally. All right? So we've got to learn forgiveness because an eye for an eye isn't going to make a marriage last very long. We're going to have a lot of lame <laughs> married people <laughs> punching each other, bopping each other. So let's take a look at what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not because this is a very misunderstood topic. How many of you know that? So let's take a, a look at what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is releasing your right to strike back. What do I mean by that? Forgiveness is not eye for an eye. You take my eye, I will not take yours. That's forgiveness. You break my tooth, I won't break yours. That's forgiveness. It's the simplicity of forgiveness. You hurt me by saying those words to me, but I am not going to say words back to you that will hurt you. Why? I forgive you. I will relinquish my right for justice. I will relinquish my right to wound you the way you wounded me. Now, aren't you glad God came up with that concept? Because you and I deserve eternal damnation. It, it, I love this about kids. Uh, the, the, one of the first things they learn is this phrase. It's not fair. Right? And then, of course, the parental response, you want fair? I'll give you fair. All right? If, if we say to God, it's not fair, are you sure you want God to be fair and just with your sin and your failures? No. We want God to forgive. We have violated God. We breathe His air and give no thanks to Him. We, we live off the fruit of the land and all the food and all the blessings of God and we ignore Him and consider Him. Till, of course, till you got saved. And that salvation woke you up to the fact of how benevolent and good He is and gracious that He forgave us of our sin. We deserve death. So forgiveness is not the justice of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Forgiveness is, I will not, I relinquish my right to strike back. I will not strike back. How do you know you forgave someone? You're not wishing or wanting or trying to hurt them back. Okay? And so that's the basic, basic definition of forgiveness. And letting God's grace compensate you for pain. Where do we get that concept of being compensated by God's grace? I'll tell you where. I'm glad you asked. Paul had a thorn in, the, in his flesh. 
Paul was constantly hounded by Judaizers. I don't believe it was a physical malady with Paul. That's not the thorn in the flesh. The word thorn in the flesh is used three times in the Old Testament for people who were a pain in your butt. It's another term. Thorn in the flesh, pain in your butt. Either take the terminology. It's the same concept. That someone is just irritating the heck out of you. They are always goading you. They're always uh, 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 just trouble for you. And Paul said that three times he asked for this demonic, he called it a demonic, God released demonic spirit to let that enemy come after him so that it would keep him humble. Okay? Second Corinthians 12, read it, right? And so it kept him humble. And so uh, uh, he prayed three times to get rid of this thorn in the flesh. These people are driving me nuts. Get rid of it, get rid of it. And God said this, my grace is what? Sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. What does he mean by that? My grace is sufficient to compensate for whatever trouble you're getting from anybody else. My grace will compensate for whatever pain has come your way, whatever sorrow has come your way because of somebody else. My grace is sufficient to satisfy you and compensate for what you lost from somebody else. Why does God do that? So that you'll operate in forgiveness as he operated in forgiveness for us. That's why we take communion. We recalibrate ourselves. Once a month, we, we could do it every Sunday, but I'm afraid it would become so rote that many of us would forget what its deep meaning is. We do it once a month, and what we do is we just recalibrate our whole spirit, our whole sense. And when it says to not take this meal unworthily, it means to take it with the same grace and forgiveness we're receiving from God to give it to others. How dare we take the body and blood of Jesus, which was freely given forgiving us of our sins, and we don't forgive others? In fact, we pray that prayer. Forgive us our trespasses or our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. All right? So some of you get lost in that trespass word, and you're thinking, like, I didn't step on anybody's property today. <laughs> it means sin. Forgive others. So this is a deep issue with God. Forgiveness is essential because he forgave us. So how much more in a marriage, the ultimate of your covenant relationship with anyone else on this planet, if we're not forgiving in our marriage, then where are we going to be forgiving? And so we have to learn this. And marriage is a great training ground for killing the flesh. How many of you found that out? It's a great place to expose how, what a wretch we are. <laughs> And how selfish we are. And then you add children to the mix. And they, they run the entire household. So, so we have to have forgiveness. Now, uh, God's grace will compensate you for what anybody else did. Don't try and get it back in the sense of satisfaction that I got them back. Because <laughs> that never satisfies. Half the time they don't even know that they hurt you. You're just carrying that weight. So let's look at this. Let's, get, let's be compensated by God's grace and release our right to strike back. Take a look at this. What forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Okay? Most of the time, you do not feel like forgiving. You know why? You're mad. You're hurt. You're upset. If you're waiting for the emotion to go, oh, I forgive you and it feels so good. You don't want to forgive. You want an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. Right? 
But you want God's grace to continue to compensate in your life. And so, it's not a feeling. So, don't go by your feelings. It's in fact a command. Okay? It's like when you tell your kids to do something and go, I don't feel like it. It's like, I don't care how you feel. I've asked you to do something. Then you can say, I can alter the way you feel. (laughs) I could turn the heat up in this room and you guys will not like me. Your feelings will change. They're so inconsistent. So forgiveness isn't based on how you feel. And many of you, many, of, many times I need God's help to forgive because I'm just not feeling it. So i got to ask God, God, you got to help me to forgive. And, and your emotions will catch up to your will. You must will to forgive. Okay? And so you must tell yourself, I'm not going to strike back. Here's the second misunderstanding about forgiveness. Forgiveness then doesn't pretend you weren't hurt. I was hurt. So when you say, I forgive you to someone else, you're not not saying, oh, it's fine, it didn't matter. In fact, I I had to teach my children this when they'd get into fights or he's looking at me, he punched me, he's pinching me, right? It's like, come on, stop it now. Say you're sorry, I'm sorry. Now what do you say? I forgive you. (laughs) Say it like you mean it. I forgive you. And then the other one says, oh, that's all right. I go, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Was it all right that they did that? No, it wasn't all right. It made me really mad. Okay, okay, so don't say it's all right. And many of us hold that over into our adult life thinking that if I forgive, I'm saying it's okay what you did. It's not okay. And it's not saying it didn't hurt. Identify the fact this hurt me but I'm not going to hurt you. That's all forgiveness is. Please understand that. It's not striking back. How many of you can do that? Can you, can you relinquish your right to strike back, right? All right, that's forgiveness. All right, and even if it hurts, it still hurts. Now, uh, it's not saying it's okay. In fact, it actually helps if you let the other person know why you're forgiving them. Because many times, they don't know. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I've forgiven you. Okay, good. What did I do? Well, you know, you walked right by me and you didn't say anything. I said, oh man, I am so sorry. I didn't realize I hurt your feelings. See, I would have never known that unless they helped me understand that. Uh, In a marriage, you know, you hurt me the other day. Well, what did I do? The way you said that thing. Oh, wow, okay. Well, I was mad because of work, and I was mad, and you kind of irritated me when you said your thing. But you know what? I'm sorry. you got to bring it to the light. How many of you know that? So so don't just say uh, it's okay. Explain it. Now, forgiveness, many times people think I have to trust the person again. Well, no. Forgiveness is not striking back. But trust was broken, possibly. And so trust has to be what? Earned. It's got to be restored. All right? But see, many times people think, well, if I forgive, then I have to trust all over and start over again. No, that's reconciliation. We're not there yet. We're just dealing with forgiveness first. 
Okay? So forgiveness is, uh, and I've counseled many people who have had to deal with infidelity, adultery, and a marriage. And working with a couple where, let's say, the guy cheated on the wife, and uh, as we're working through this, uh, she really doesn't feel like forgiving. She's brokenhearted. She feels cheated on. So her feelings aren't there, but she's not going to strike back. She's not going to go out and have an affair to get back at him. It, no. And, I, and I'm not going to beat him up or, uh, you know, use a hammer on him. Um, she's going to forgive. She's not going to strike back. But did it hurt? Yes. And she, he needs to understand how much it hurt. Right? And Because we need to mend here. And she's not going to say it's okay. But she's not going to strike back. And now she's not going to trust him. So she needs that trust rebuilt. And so I help negotiate what would bring trust back. And she says, well, I need to know uh, where he's going to be. He gets out of work at 5 o'clock. If he gets home at 7, I want to know where he's been. And the guy's like, come on, I'm an adult. I'm not a kid. Yeah, well, you didn't act like it two months ago. And she deserves the phone call or the text to know where you are so that you can regain her confidence back. you got to build, rebuild what you broke. Does that make sense? Okay, so just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that automatically you trust them again. That's got to be rebuilt. All right. Now, uh, the last one. Forgiveness doesn't mean you relieve them of their responsibility. Right? So if they do something against you and it needs repair, they're responsible to fix what they broke. I thought you forgave me. I did. But you spent $2,000 of our money and now I can't make the car payment. You're going to have to get out there and get a job. Is that reasonable? Right? There's a responsibility here, okay? So there may be someone who broke into my home. This happened to my wife and I. Thieves came in, busted through our window, stole our TV, stole all my wife's jewelry, stole a few other things, and left. This was many years ago. And uh, I forgave them uh, where I'm not going to go beat them up. I'm not going to go steal their stuff. But I wanted to press charges, and legally they should, again, be responsible for the crime they committed. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, I heard that word, restitution, yeah. So that's important that you understand what forgiveness is. So in simplicity, forgiveness is relinquishing your right to strike back. I'm not going to strike back. I'm not going to do what you did to me. I'm not going to hurt you. But forgiveness doesn't mean I automatically trust you, that you're not responsible for what you did, and that it didn't hurt. It did all those things. And we have to work through that. But I thought you forgave me. I did. But now let's work towards reconciling. Do you know that you can forgive someone and not be reconciled to them? Right? Okay, and, and you're clean. You're clean before God because you have forgiven them. But you may not be reconciled. Let's look at what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a decision of the will. Despite how I feel, I will forgive you. I will forgive you. There are days I have to remind myself I forgave you. There are days I have to tell my mind 
oh, don't imagine that. <laughs> don't think that. You forgave. Don't strike back in your mind and your thoughts or in your words. See, we think that there's some magical feeling that once we forgive, oh, it's gone, it's forever gone, and then you wonder why it still lingers around. It's because you have to continue to remember and choose by your will, I forgave, I'll not strike back. So what is actually happening in you is you're processing through the hurt. Is it all right to process through the hurt? See, many marriages go through this. Many marriages, people want to give up on a marriage. And again, the ultimate is adultery in a marriage. And I've seen many marriages healed and brought back together even through that. Even though there is the right, according to the law of Moses, for divorce because of adultery, God has the ability by His grace to minister even into that to restore a marriage. And there have been times where the couple who have been cheated on, they, they forgave the other person. They're not going to divorce. They're going to stay with them. But there's some days that they are just angry and hurt. I thought you forgave me. I did, and I'm working through the pain. Does that make sense to you? So don't give up on your marriage just because you're working through the pain. And you're working through the process. How many of you are married or have been married? How many of you had to process through pain in your marriage? We all have. We all have. It's a necessary thing because we have to process through that so that we stay together. Okay? So it's a decision to forgive. Secondly, it's an act of obedience to God. There are times that my wife forgives me because she wants to be obedient to God, and she just doesn't like me that day. <laughs> and vice versa, right? Okay? I mean, just in reality, two becoming one is not an easy process. And so there are times where uh, we, we do it as an act of obedience. And I think, you know what? I don't feel like getting up and serving her. But it's an act of worship to God that I would. And so I will. Do you understand that? An act of obedience to God is that I forgive. And uh, another reason we forgive is to get our heart right with God. You need to understand something that when we begin to forgive, we are acting like God Himself. We are operating in the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. We're not engineered that well, that way, because we have to learn that because the flesh is so self-centered. You have to crucify the flesh and call upon your spirit man to say, I forgive, and I'm going to do this in obedience to God, and my heart is right with God, and I'm not going to strike back. And, and there are times where people do heinous things, horrible things, and they deserved the, the justice and the ramification of what they did. But you need to forgive them and release your rage and anger against them. And, and I'm talking about maybe a different situation than your marriage. That you have to release it or it's going to suffocate you. It's going to damage you. And so you have to be compensated by God's grace to not strike back and not wish the worst on them. And last of all, it's got to become a lifestyle. In a marriage, forgiveness has got to be a lifestyle. We have to communicate to each other when we've been defended and why. 
so that we can learn to forgive. And what God is doing with all of this is he's expanding your capacity to love. This is key. This is the whole understanding of covenant. This concept of two becoming one, the struggle of two becoming one, is so that your your concept of love is expanded. So that you can love like Jesus loves. Jesus loves purely, perfectly, and He forgives. His patience is amazing. That's what forgiveness is. Now, you may have forgiven someone, you're working through the pain, time helps you, it's, it, it, it satisfies you, and, and you've forgiven and relinquished that. Some of you need to consider that tonight, and at the end we're going to have some altar time where you need to forgive your mom, you need to forgive your dad. You're still holding anger towards them to where you want to hurt them. You want to give back to them what they gave to you. We need to release that. You need to not strike back. You need to break down the wall, the barrier between the two of you and release it. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. How many of you know that unforgiveness is one of the key areas the enemy breaks into your life and stops the fellowship of God? Unforgiveness is where God can bind you up, uh, uh, where the devil can bind you up. Unforgiveness is where, because what happens with unforgiveness is you're putting yourself back under the law. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Are you sure you want to go back under the law? Because if you go back under the law, you will be accused by the devil of breaking it every time. You want to be under that? No. I need to walk in forgiveness so that I'm clean and I can't be accused by an enemy. And he can't stop the flow of blessing of God to me. Now, let's talk about the next level. This is where we want to go with the marriage. Now, there have been people whose marriages have failed and they've worked through it and they were able to forgive their ex-spouse, but they didn't reconcile. Understand that. But what we want to get to in a marriage is to reconcile. Now, reconciliation is the next step past forgiveness. Now, again, you can forgive someone and not be reconciled to them. There's a number of people in my life that, you know, it, it split up. Things broke apart. Things split up. I forgive them. I hold no sense of wanting to get even with them, get back with them. I'll be as gracious as I can to them. I recognize there was some failure in me, some failure in them, and gee, it just didn't work, and that's the way that is. But I'm not reconciled back to them. We just didn't work on that, and, and we haven't built the trust for it. And, and so, you know, I'm open for that, but it, it takes work. Again, this stuff just doesn't happen by an anointing of God. Okay? That anointing can help you work at it, but you still got to work through all this and the communication. So, what about reconciliation? Listen to the definition of what reconciliation is. We can find it through this verse found in 2 Corinthians 5.19. And it's what God did on the cross through Jesus Christ. God was reconciling the world to Himself. See, this is huge. Did God forgive the world of its sins? How? Jesus. Jesus took the punishment for sin. There's the justice. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus was punished for all of our sins by the law. You get this? This has got to get clear for us, okay? 
The reason you're not condemned under the law is because Jesus took the condemnation of the law upon himself. He got the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He got the full wrath of God that was legal and justice on him so that you and I would get the forgiveness and the grace. That's why he says, you got to operate in that. And then, not only did God forgive us through Jesus' sacrifice, then what he decided to do was what? Reconcile with us. Now, what is reconciliation? Re, again, con, with, ciliating. Reconciliation, bringing back together, coming together with someone. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And what does that mean? No longer counting men's sins against them. If you're in Christ Jesus, God is not counting your sin against you. Why not? It was counted on Christ. Come on, that's grace, man. Come on. Your sins are not counted against you. You will not be judged for your sins. Please don't go down the path. Well, that gives me liberty to do whatever I want. You're not born of God's holiness if that's your thinking. You have a new nature. All right? He's committed to us. He's committed to us, therefore, the message of reconciliation. So we've got to tell the world, God wants to be your buddy. God wants to call you unto himself. Come to the cross. Get your sins forgiven. He will reconcile with you. You won't be his enemy. You will no longer be dead. You can know him and know this love he has for you. That's our message. Now, if we're not modeling reconciliation in our marriage... How can we preach this message? Divorces happen for irreconcilable differences. Irreconcilable happens, yes, as Jesus said to, to the Pharisees, because of the hardness of men's hearts. God allowed that irreconcilable divorce because of hardness and sin busted it up. But God's got a remedy for sin. Not that it's easy. Going through all those emotions and forgiving. And then beyond forgiving, how about reconciling? That's what he's talking about. So that's a key point. So here are three points to reconciliation. Number one, guilt is removed. Now in forgiveness, you've identified the guilt. There's a guilt there, but you're not going to strike back. But reconciliation says, I'm no longer going to consider your guilt. Do you see the difference? I'm not even going to remember that it happened. Or I can forgive someone. They hurt me. I release it. But I, I got to work towards that trust again. This is, this is an issue. Where reconciliation says, the guilt is gone. And secondly, I am going to give trust a chance to be proven. I'm going to get back with you. We're going to work on this. And I'm going to trust you incrementally till we can build trust up again. Okay, You see the, how that's another level of commitment beyond forgiveness? And thirdly, we've got to establish new boundaries. We've got to reconcile, but we've got to work at this reconciliation with new boundaries. We remember, you know, uh, with these new boundaries, we're, we're two new people. We've been through something. Now we're more mature. And, and we're going to bond together in a deeper way. 
Okay? So let me conclude the concept of love covering a multitude of sins with uh, this statement, Ephesians 2, 14, 15. For He Himself is our peace. Who's the He? Jesus. Jesus is our peace. Look, we can't do any of this without Jesus, right? You know what? I, I can't forgive the way... Uh, you can forgive the way the world forgives. It's not that good. i got to forgive like Jesus forgives. Jesus is my peace. Who has made the two one? He's talking about Jews and Gentiles as an illustration. But think about it in your marriage. He made the two one. He destroyed the barrier of the dividing wall of hostility. Whatever you were angry about, whatever your issue was with each other, Jesus can tear that wall down and bring you two together again. His purpose is to create in Himself one new man out of the two, making peace. So the love of Christ, the grace of God in us, enables us by the will to forgive, not strike back, but forgive, and then work on reconciling so that we too can become what again? One. And Jesus has to put that order into our lives. Now, Peter gives us a perfect illustration with this. 1 Peter 4.8. He paints a word picture. In English, we don't see it. But in the Greek, let me point out to you this word picture. He says this, above all. What do you think that means? <laughs> the most important thing. All right, so should we pay attention to this? Okay, thank you. Above all. Keep loving one another earnestly since love does what? Covers a multitude of sins. That's what love does. Look at this. Above all, top priority, above all. In your marriage, top priority, top priority. In life, your top priority is to keep loving. Now, that is a verb. That verb, keep, means to perpetually, continually pursue. Always actively. And you're pursuing it. I have to. I have to pursue loving it. I have to pursue loving my wife. I have to continually pursue loving my mate. I, I, I don't clock out of this. I'm, I'm not on vacation from pursuing love. I have to keep, keep, keeping, keep, keeping, keeping, keep, keeping love. One another. And then he adds fire to it. Earnestly. What do you think earnestly means? Earnestly is the Greek word ektenis. We get the English word tendon from it. The concept for earnestly is tension. That love strains to its maximum potential. The analogy is like a muscle that is extended to its full strength to reach, 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 reach as far as you can. You're, have you ever seen anybody reach and do as much as they can to where they're, they're literally shaking? They've got everything they can to stretch. That's how you're to keep loving as strenuously as powerfully as as extremely as you can 
Do you think that that takes work? Some of you are tired already. And some of you thought, wait a minute. After the first three years, I thought we coasted. (laughs) I laugh at you. (laughs) There is no coasting in marriage. There is no coasting. We must love and keep loving one another earnestly, stretching, stretching, since... What's he say? Since love covers. What does that mean, covers? Calypto. Calypto. Calypto means to cover and to conceal entirely. Uh, in fact, you know this word, calypto. Apocalypto. What does apocalypse mean? Apocalypto. Uh, it's the, the English word is revelation. Apocalypto is to unveil. Okay, well, this uh, this word calypto means to completely cover, to completely cover. So, love completely covers, absolutely completely covers what multitude of sins. Are you kidding me? Now let's ask, what is a multitude of sins? Does it mean this sin but not that sin? It means all of them. Oh, well said. Well said. Yeah. We don't joke about it. We don't publish it. We don't tell other people about it. We cover for each other. And here's the thing. Peter's not talking about a marriage in this verse. You know what he's talking about? The body of Christ. So if that's expected in the body of Christ, shouldn't it be expected in a marriage? All right? Above all. So number one, above all, for the two of you to become one, for a marriage to be successful, you have got to keep straining, keep stretching, keep trying your hardest to completely and absolutely cover the failings of your spouse. I'm your guardian. I'm my wife's guardian of her failures. I cover her shortcomings. I don't make fun of them. I don't make light of them. I don't gossip to my friend. You know what she did the other night? I don't tell other people. I cover And boy, that should be happening in this church. That should be happening with the body of Christ. Do you see why God says God hates gossip? God hates slander. Because that's uncovering the nakedness of your brother or sister. Gossip and slander offends love. Because love's supposed to cover. Love absolutely is supposed to cover the multitude of sins. And the reason I have a band-aid on there as a visual is because typically when we sin, we fail God, we fail ourselves, and we're wounded. And the last thing I need is someone else to show everybody my failure. So we cover it so it heals. And so love covers a multitude of sins. And I think probably the best illustration for 1 Peter 4.8 is this. A fitted sheet. How many of you have ever tried to put a fitted sheet on a mattress? 
<laughs> now listen, you know what a fitted sheet is, right? It's the one that goes over the mattress. And you typically start at one corner, and then you go to the opposite corner and try and put it on, and then you get to the other corner and pull and, and put it on if it doesn't fall off the other one. And then that last effort, that's the earnestly. That's the earnestly. Is stretch and content. You pull, 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 pull till you cover the whole thing. Love covers. And so your mate may have failed you. Your mate may have sinned against you. But you need to forgive, not strike back. And you need to begin to establish how can we reconcile because one thing is above all. Love absolutely covers. Covers sin. It covers and we forgive, and we make up, and we cover shame, we cover guilt, and we care. And I, I close with this last statement. I want to read to you this definition of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It's not arrogant. It is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable and not resentful. I've defined love, and the opposite of that is your flesh. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing or sin. Love doesn't rejoice in sin. It covers it. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears the burden. Love carries the failure. Love carries the burdens of all things. Love believes. In other words, trusts. I'm building trust again. I'm loving. Trust again. Love hopes for all things. It has an expectation for better. Love endures all things. And last of all, Love never fails. Love never fails. And the concept of that failing means to, to fall short. Love never falls short. Love never quits on you. And so it is absolute, and an absolute law of the covenant that we operate in love to maintain our oneness. Amen?